everybody. Welcome to the USL show. Um, the first one of 2019, right? right? It is. Yeah. We haven't done one yeah. yet. Yeah. How about that? So happy way late new year, everybody. Um, I'm your host as, as most of the time. Uh, the uh, What do I? Oh, my God. I don't even remember my own intro. It's fine. Whatever. I don't need one. Uh, Evan Valella, I'm here. <laughs> Hi. How's everyone doing? I'm sick. If you hear a lot of mouth noises and swallowing and unwrapping uh, cough drops and, and um, consequently putting those into my mouth and chewing and things, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'm doing it for show business. Uh, joining. somewhere in florida that is my fault uh, no you cool you cool um yeah ryan madden's gonna be here at about 9 30 or so uh we're gonna talk about the uh, the grant wall sports illustrated uh article that came out the other day when he talked to jacob where it's about uh 2026 and some things like that and uh you guys sent in some questions we're gonna ask him as well so um starting things off with the news um what do we got here yeah. I guess we'll start with that. Uh, Birmingham's stadium, BBVA Compass Field, which I had to do like a triple take when I saw that because I was like, why does that relate to the USL? And then I realized it was Birmingham Stadium. It's cool. Um, Took me a second, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Renovations and expanded stands coming for that one. Uh, That's uh, University of Alabama Birmingham's football stadium. Um, So they're going to push the... Oh, is it their soccer place? Uh, All right. Um. University of Legion Alabama. Legion Field is their football place. Uh, that's ironic. Oh, Legion's um, is a Birmingham thing, though, isn't it? Or am I wrong? I think so. That's a Birmingham thing. Okay, okay. So it makes sense. Hey, Birmingham. Uh, oh, no. Oh, I forgot. I had it. I had it, and I lost <laughs> it. Who, who was their first player they signed? Chandler Hoffman. No. Yeah, Chandler Hoffman. Chandler Hoffman? That's right. Chandler Hoffman. Call in. Let us know. <laughs> Um, joining us now on the yeah yeah that'd be, it'd be perfect guys chandler hoffman oh my god um anyway uh they're gonna move that capacity to five thousand, which uh, as we all know is a big uh you know to do within the ussf um and they're gonna add a, a 20 by 40 video board much like the one the charleston battery have which um not as big of a deal to ussf but they look nice so deal with it yep good move i'm glad uh, i'm like- glad they're gonna build it up I still like their logo. I do too. It's good. Pony wasn't a fan, but uh, I liked it. Well, sucks for him. <laughs> Let's do the next one. Um, yeah. Uh, speaking of Ryan Madden, we're going to read a tweet from him in a second. Um, Chicago USL's hitting some speed bumps, I will call them. Um, the 
stadium deal that they had proposed for um, Lincoln Yards fell through. Um, and because of that, Tom Ricketts, who was, I think, more or less kind of dependent on that um, deal happening, has uh, has sort of backed away um, as the majority owner of the club. Who blowed so their ownership group. Right. Yeah. Huge blow. Yeah. Because, yeah, they, they do say that they're still going to look for a USL stadium, mm-hmm. but um, without Ricketts and without that big development that we we talk, we knew about near Wrigley. Yeah, it was tough with Lincoln Yards. It just seems it's kind of like New York City. It's always like there's not much land around to build and everything. But it also makes me curious, like, if they're going to be determined, are they going to be forced to do a Chicago Fire type thing and build out in the suburbs? Or if worst comes to worst, could they like say move the rights to Milwaukee or to a different mm-hmm. city if they absolutely have? So I know the and uh, Ryan Madden's tweet it did say that they're you're, um they're trying to make it work in Chicago and and they're committed to the region. But uh, eventually, if twenty twenty comes twenty twenty one comes along and they don't have a stadium deal not locked down, is playing in Bridgeview better than current situation? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting, though, because in that um, Sports Illustrated article, uh, who wrote that one? I would like to give them credit. Um, buffering. Two seconds. <laughs> Come on. See, if I was, like, actually, you know, prepared. Emily uh, Emily Karen, or Caron, probably Karen. Um, she does say that... Uh, you know, there's Sterling Bay is the company that, that wanted to try to pass this or is, is trying to pass something that involves like five uh, mixed use entertainment venues or something. Um, so, you know, I wonder if, if the uh, and spoiler alert, everyone, I don't think we're getting anything more than we already got from the league uh, in regards to this, even though we're having one of their representatives uh, on the show later. Um, I, I just wonder if the approach now is to try to get the other people that are wanting to build that entertainment setup um, to see the value of a soccer stadium and a soccer team. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, using the Chicago Fire as an example is probably not going to help, <laughs> uh, which was a subtle dig. But at the same time, I don't know if you also can't go to the Chicago Fire and say, hey, guys, um, you have a decent academy. Uh, you should probably have a place for those kids to go. Um, do you want us to, you know, like let's try to get a team on your doorstep? I don't know. Plenty. I mean, yeah, there's, I don't know. I don't even think the soccers are a part of it, right? So like the soccers could join um, and become their academy. That would be really cool. They, yep. I, and, and that's kind of all the the attractiveness of, me, of it to me is, is getting the... Um, you're right there, Ryan. <laughs> Ryan, what are you doing, buddy? Yeah, Just hammering man. those keys, buddy. No, it's it's funny. It's like the left half of my keyboard like just doesn't work a lot of times. So I have to like keep snatching it a couple of times. <laughs> oh, right. it's so good. It sounds great, but but no, it that's the attractiveness of it to me is that the fire are like crapping the bed so badly right now. If if this had come yeah. in in the next year or two or three. Like they would have really had some some uh, momentum 
going right off the bat. And and yep. I feel like MLS might have been shaking in their boots just a little tiny bit. Mm. I, I think if they had a 20,000-person stadium in the city, playing, yep. yes, on a lower level, but you get the Derby and um, Open Cup, fine. If they have a 12,000-seat stadium and they get a lot of people to actually come, they can spend Cincinnati kind of money in USL. So, you know, the story rolls from there, and, and now it's gone. And I, I, I imagine even the 20,000-person stadium's <laughs> gone. Um, not to mention right. the entertainment again, Evan, I, I thought you made a good point. Like, are they going to be able to sell you having a stadium there at all based on the current situation? And, and well, also makes me wonder if it was used as leverage in the first place. So maybe that speaks well for having a soccer stadium. So there's, there's been soccer stadiums that have, um, you like been used as concert venues. Um, Talent Energy Stadium has been used a bunch. Map Fire used to hold a um, festival every year. Like it's not unheard of because they're big areas with a lot of lawn space, and you know it, you can do it. Um, it's just maybe trying to convince somebody that um, you know, okay, instead of building a you know like three amphitheaters or something crazy, maybe make one of those a soccer stadium mm-hmm. and. You know, if they, especially like in, in the off season or something, they really open it up for the public and things like that. I mean, I know it's going to wreck the turf, but, um, you know, those Chicago fields are always a mess in, in March and April anyway. So, um, yeah, who knows? It'll be interesting to see. I, I, I definitely don't think it's, it's the nail in the coffin by any stretch for Chicago. And I honestly am more confident that they get to the team than not, but we'll have to, uh, see how that goes surely they get it sometime sorry ryan go ahead i was just gonna say like i guess a counter to that kind of stadium situation is if they're gonna hold concerts and stuff they already have soldier field which is a much larger venue or if they want a more intimate setting they could just put it in the united center with the bulls and blackhawks yeah that's true but then it's inside or it's too big you know this is like outside and it's not too big it's not too echoey yeah. I think it would. I think it would be. They would have a fine time getting that sort of thing to happen, in, at least in the summer and spring and fall in Chicago. And it did sound like they were going to try and get like at least outside of football and um, or outside of soccer and concerts that they were trying to do high school football and mm-hmm. location. Yeah, cool. I think we lost him, but yeah, I, high school football. You know, they can get guys from all over the state for that sort of thing. So yeah, uh, there's a lot you can do with that kind of stadium. Um. Hey, speaking of stadiums, uh, Indy 11's trying again, um, but they also uh, have a new CEO. And two days uh, after Race Remmerd announces they are not breaking up, hashtag Srem for life, Greg Stremlaw uh, is the new Indy 11 CEO. Coincidence? No. No, it's directly related. <laughs> Race Remmerd is going to fund Indy 11's new stadium. Thank you, uh, Trey Higdon, for dropping that one in my mailbox. Um <laughs> This is what happens when, anyway. Uh, hey guys, that's not happening. Uh, the CEO thing, Greg Stremlaw, is is true. A, uh, a former uh, Canadian broadcast executive um, replacing Jeffrey Belskis. Um, I saw that uh, our our dear friend Brian Cook at Soccer with Brian um, had a tweet where you know it's weird that they're bringing in a CEO who's basically just making a stadium push when that was the you know what the last CEO wanted to do um, kind of thing, hmm. but. Um, tell you what, I mean, you know, the guy that oversaw, uh, CBC's coverage of the Olympics, uh, and things like that is, is not a, a, a bad guy to get. Um, 
you know, and Indy drew 10,000 last year. And, and apparently the, um, details of, uh, the stadium deal I, I can't see here, uh, but they're pretty good. Um, it's a $550 million development. Um, it's called 11 Park, which I hope is a working title. Um, 20,000 seat stadium in Indianapolis is uh, part of a larger public private partnership. Public funded stadiums are bad, by the way, but it's all right. Um, yeah, and I mean, Stremlo, Strim- like I said, uh, Olympics coverage, Hockey Night in Canada coverage uh, also did deals with FIFA, MLS, and a couple other soccer leagues. So um, not a stranger to soccer, which is always nice. I'm kind of hesitant on the whole public stadium thing because those are bad. Um, but, you know, who knows? Yeah, Brian Cook wrote a, uh, or he's writing one right now about the stadium, I guess. I thought it was out already um, on BGN Written, so watch for that. But um, yeah, I mean, we're seeing these public stadiums, and this is kind of what I was kind of pondering in my head about the Chicago thing. Um, I believe the Colorado Springs Switchback Stadium is going to be like this, where it's not just, they're not just selling like a stadium in the for the public to help contribute to. It's like usually it's like a concert venue and a shopping area. It's like this big development all rolled into one. And it's how we're seeing a lot of these soccer stadiums being uh, um, being pushed into, you know, yep. county public financed situations. Projects sure. is the word I'm looking for. So uh, I thought that was interesting about this and the Chicago thing that fell through. Um, and I'm really excited about the the Colorado one as well, because they've been kind of rumoring theirs for the, a few years and it's successful oh, the, so uh, far. The switchbacks one. Yeah. Switchbacks. It's yeah. going to be cool. Yeah, yeah. It'll be really pretty. And I think in a, in a nice location compared to where they were before. Yes. Nice is, you know, that's that's a debatable uh, topic. It's a relative term, but I, I mean they're they're going to be in like downtown Colorado Springs. So yeah, nice. so I you think they're moving from like a shady area to a nice area. So that's the that's the that's the part where you can debate whether there'll be it's a, a lot smart of sunshine move. where they are in a couple of years. Sure, there you go. Mm. Uh, Brian Cook does say that the stadium deal in India is the best one so far, but still he has also a long said the, the, way to go. He said that the name is what they're going to call it, and if I can. Brian, can we start petitioning your local um, government to just add a clause into that contract that they have to change that name? Because I'm really... Can they just like, sell the naming rights? Yeah, we'll take them. Oh, the they... USL show park. <laughs> we can't afford that. No, just leave it at naming rights stadium. <laughs> Ooh, okay, yeah. Uh, Phil, we can afford that if they don't charge us for it. <laughs> If they don't We're doing it pro work. bono for, for Indy 11. Okay. I no? mean, you have great ideas, Evan, but uh, if, <laughs> I don't know if what they're If we offer them our name on their stadium as like a service to them, then we're great. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Exposure. <laughs> yeah, exposure. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, like what we'll do, we'll just... We'll just in the middle of the night, we'll just go there as soon as they build the thing. We'll just drop our, <laughs> our we'll, we'll, you know, get the sign put up and then we'll leave and then they'll go to unveil it and they'll be like, well, all right, that's already there. I guess we'll keep it. <laughs> Let's talk about something different, but still okay. indie. Um, and that is the, uh, I'm going to pull up the transfer tracker right now for 2019. Yeah, they've signed some good players most recently. Uh, Dane Kelly, welcome back. Yeah. He's no, he's no fool. He knows what he's doing, he knows where he's no. successful. And Indy's he, not dumb either about signing him. No. Well, and he wasn't getting used in D.C. Um, surprise. Which, surprise, right? 
Well, you know, it's it's another one of those things where like he's a casualty to the depth chart. Yeah, I know. Where it's like, are you really gonna take the spot of Lucho Acosta or Wayne Rooney? Like, no, I know. no you're not. Even Maddox, who right is going to Cincy. Anyway, yeah, so a huge move for them. Um, we'll talk about another team that I think is about to make a lot of headwaves. Uh, Hold 2019, on, before we move on, though, I do want to mention. I want to mention their some of their lineup highlights. I'm going to yeah, miss go some it. of them, um, but I think Richard Rainwater posted a nice starting eleven. If it yeah, were to happen Richard today, and Brian both both tweeted out some starting eleven. Oh, right on. Okay, so I might have missed one, but uh, Patty Barrett in defense coming from Cincy. Um, Tyler Gibson from Cincinnati. Uh, my favorite is Ilya Illich um, is coming in yep. to be with Dane Kelly. And, um, you know, Sterikoff is still going to be there. Kenny Walker mm-hmm. from Cincinnati. Neville Hackshaw, Evan Newton. I forgot. Yeah. Evan Newton. I forgot about that. Good Lord. I mean, they're just piling up players. Um, some of the better players. They're kind of doing what Cincy did, except, you know, these players weren't in nasl last year they were just at cincy (laughs) or there were some of the other better players in the usl so we'll see how that goes i wasn't a big fan of how the coach messed with his team i know he was set up to have a different team tactically and he kind of pushed his his formation on there through the year so maybe it's not a a fair shake but um you know i wasn't a fan of them last year we'll see how he sets them up this year the signings that are correct and it and would it be bold of, or Brian, I, I guess at least answer this, would it be bold to say that Indy could be hosting a first round playoff game this year that isn't a play, play-in game? Heck yeah. I, you know what? I mean, just I like, like it. Just like Nashville. Um, I think they're making the correct offseason signings. Yeah. Yeah. I think Ben Wright in Nashville, I think that's, I, I mess up first names sometimes, but no, I think, you got him. Yeah. Okay, good. I think Ben Wright said something like, I'd be really upset if they didn't, you know, win the league or something like that. Something mm. crazy high. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, baby steps. And baby. We, well, but we talked about it more and, and it's not an unfair hope, you know, an expectation, maybe not, but based on what they have and if they repeat certain things about last year, mm. both mm. Indy and Nashville should have high expectations and high hopes. He's not right that way. I think uh, to rebut uh, one of Harry's comments in the chat. By the way, show goes live on YouTube every uh, every week that we have a show. Um, it's gonna be Thursdays in the off season and probably Tuesdays in the regular season. Um, but to get notified about when we go uh, when we go live every week, go to our YouTube page, youtube.com backslash the USL show. Hit subscribe, and it'll just let you know. It'll be great. And then you can join and talk to us live in our live chat, which is also great. Which I'm doing right now. Because then you don't need to wait till the episode drops on Friday or, or Wednesday during the season to tell us how wrong we are. <laughs> which is really the best part of it for all of us, isn't it? I actually yes. uh, appreciate being corrected in the middle of a show. I love no, it. No, I do too. I do too. <laughs> it's always very constructive. I, I, I appreciate well. that. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, and, and we're all actually actively kind of participating in the chat. I've dropped off a little bit because I'm doing other things behind the scenes, but that's fine. I, that's right. I got this next one because I'm so excited about being corrected or maybe not getting my stuff wrong in the first place because yeah. Ryan Allen has done us all a freaking favor. And Ryan um, Allen is your new favorite person. Oh, he is because the, you know, the USA USL 2018 database is live. Ryan, why don't you just tell us because you just spent all your time uh, making it uh, what it is and, and why you do it. 
I, I usually do it just because the um, USL tends to dump their stats halfway through the season or make it at least increasingly difficult to find stats that go down. So I wanted to go through and at least copy and paste everything into an Excel file, which I then transferred to Google um, to Google Sheets, which then just kind of helps at least save it. And I felt like it'd be something a lot of people would appreciate since there were 992 players who played in USL 2018 last year and considering that a bunch of them are going to be coming back and be good reference to looking at how many goals they have, who was the most efficient passer, and even just like what country they came from. Like 52% of the league are Americans, which was surprising, or which um, was definitely a lower number than I would have thought. And um, the country that had the third most players was actually Jamaica. It's pretty interesting. The top five, though, I think most people would guess because I was surprised by Jamaica as well. I thought maybe England would be up there. You said that was the fifth. It was five. It was USA, Canada, Jamaica, Mexico, England. Yeah, that's interesting. Trinidad and Tobago had the same number of players as Argentina, 15. There you go. You're welcome, That's actually team. really surprising to me. Same. I didn't know we had 15 Argentinians. But no, we actually uh, tweeted it out from the uh, USL show account. So it's retweeted out on Twitter and I make occasional updates to it. The Yeah, the database he's talking about. Yeah. It's really useful. I just I just had to like... What I just wrote an article about St. Louis FC, which man, I forgot to retweet that today. But it was I was looking for like um, what's a common or a high score for um, key passes um, because Hilton had like fifty nine, and I was able to look at Ryan's spreadsheet to let me know that's pretty good, not amazing, but pretty darn good. So um, it's really helpful already to me. The first week it was in action. Sure. And Ryan, you um, and Laura Ellen are going to team up on Stata, right? I don't yeah, know how that's going to work. Um, a few stats for the uh, database itself and just trying to help you a little bit more predictive for um, the future. Beauty. And I also have um, the 2017 database, if anyone's interested in that one, but that's the um, as far back as I've gone. Yep. Well, we appreciate it, man. It's a lot of work and um, it's it's vital for it's nice for uh, our community to have that year after year because, like you said, USL does dump those online. And so, man, if only, only get... we could ask somebody about that in about 10 minutes or so. Exactly. I think there are a couple <laughs> things we've talked about already that are in questions. Um, anyway, um, no, the uh, last bit of news. And then, do you guys want to wait on the draft until after? Is he, he's popping in. We have 10 more minutes to kill. We do. Is, is there we more do. to talk about? Um, well, let's talk about the, the Chicago Independence uh, added Felix Sanriu uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Garte. There it is to their coaching staff. Uh, former youth players slash first teamer at um, Atletico Bilbao and um, a couple other uh, La Liga clubs, and then managed um, Bilbao's youth club. He managed Basconia, um, Bilbao Athletic, which is not the same as Athletic Bilbao. Um, and then Varea, and then uh, Sestau, Oviedo, and Sestau again. Um, a bit of a uh, relegation uh, fight specialist um, was able to um, avoid the the drop uh, with um, Athletic in 2006, and then uh, in 2000. Oh, sorry. Um, 20, I guess the 2011 se- or the 2011, 12 season Sestal river club. He, he led the safety, 
Um, and then joined Oviedo, where he stayed for a year and then was in uh, Sestal. But he's joining the show at Independence now, which is a huge get. Um, Jim McGinnis is very happy about it. I'm terrified of Charlotte this year, by the way. Um, they're going to be... Their their player signings are smart. We're biased. Here ours is, is uh, I, I guess I'll call him a friend. Um, yeah, we'll do that. That checks out. Uh, Corrections, <laughs> Corrections <laughs> department says that checks out. All right, cool. He Roberts is a friend of ours, a friend of mine, whatever you want to call it. So we're biased. I like seeing those guys keep getting jobs, and luckily most of my guys have kept their their have jobs. That's nice. But um, he's a really solid center back, and Charlotte picked him up. And then just what they're doing, even as far as the the technical side of things, with McGinnis coming over from Ireland, saying, you know, I don't know a ton of uh, you know about the American game, maybe or, or soccer in general, even though he's worked with Celtic. They keep Jeffries on, which is huge because there's not a guy that knows more about the USL than him, arguably. Um, and then they bring in, you know, Sergio Garte, who's got, you know, as much experience at a, at a high level as anybody else, really. So um, they are a team that I am uh, uh, shaking in my boots at a little bit. Manage by commission <laughs> or committee. Yeah. Do we already mention that Enzo's back? They don't. So Charlotte doesn't have a large roster, but the guys here's the bottom four guys is Alex Martinez, who was one of the assist leaders or no goal scoring leaders for a midfielder, especially last year. Enzo Martinez is back. Brandon Miller and Hugh Roberts. That's such a good start. Yeah. Hey, we know both those guys. <laughs> right. Exactly. I, I like thought, both yeah. those guys. I thought you mentioned that. Holy cow. That's a great start. Jack. for a good interview next season. Love it. Um, but yeah, I love this too. Um, something that I think about a lot with McGinnis is he's surrounding himself with like good soccer guys as we're kind of displaying here. And Jeffries is no joke as well. Who's still going to be there as the uh, sporting director, but um, you know, someone who can lead men, there's a lot to be said yeah. for just that. And he does know his soccer. He worked for Celtic, but um, there's a lot to be said for that because honestly, in, in St. Louis, Precky didn't work out, and I think a major p- part of that wasn't his tactics. His tactics were good. His soccer smarts is out, you know, it's out the way. It's, it's amazing. So a lot of it has to do with man management, and especially yeah. in Americans, I think we respond well to good management. And, um, yeah. you know, I think McInnes is going to be successful in the way that, that the team has been set up. Well, and, you know, you, you look at the, the player coaches that are in – or sorry, the player – players coaches that are in this this league you know and and on on one hand you have guys like you know ann hauser and lily who you want to just run through a wall for um and then you have other guys that are able to do it with kids like wolniak and brendan burke and um you know lee kalashaw comes to mind as a guy that's able to get his players up for it and um you know, uh, Tony Poole's out in St. Louis, Phil, I think does a good, yep. good job. There seems to be, um, I'll mention James O'Connor. I think Hackworth is another one. Like it's a, there's a lot, yeah. there seems to be a lot more player coaches than, than, than coach coaches mm-hmm. in USL, you know? Um, and like the hot, the hot phrase this year, I've said it before is like yeah. the team culture, you know, and, yes. and that's another yeah. piece of that, you know, like yeah, all these coaches are saying we have a great culture. The guys love each other. The mm-hmm. guys are coming out saying, man, this is the best team. There's no bad guy on the team, you know, like, 
it's a thing right now and and there's something to it right. though it's not you know it's not all fake yet <laughs> I, and I, I yeah yeah I do think building culture is important. I mean, if you look up at MLS and look at Joseph Martinez, he's thrilled about playing in Atlanta. It's just having about the right combination of culture and the right mix of players and coaching staff. And that really makes the decision that helps push players towards teams. I I just watched his highlight package of all the goals he scored last year. He just needs 13 to have the most of the first three seasons in uh, MLS. He's so good. So far. I'll have 13 by May. Oh, he's man. so good. He like transcends me not wanting to talk about MLS on this show. Like, yeah. Mm. So good. What a guy. <laughs> Boat round and round. And we can't forget also, this is going to be mentioned a lot. McGinnis yeah. is famous in Ireland and he's uh, Boat round and round. So I'm going to be out there in March. If we get a car, I'm going to try to find this mural. You have to. Oh, definitely get a picture. I'm you going, have to. I'm going to. I'll be angry if you don't. But, all right. But well. the Irish ambassador to the U.S. came all the way to Charlotte just to meet McGinnis. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> what a guy. On. This is hilarious. What a guy. Like, and what a name, too. Jim McGinnis. So good. So good. You know? It's like, that's like a, that's like a default FIFA regen name. <laughs> we need to get, we need to get, you know, audio footage of, uh, of him in a press conference saying, I need, saying his uh, name. I need audio footage of him talking to Patty Barrett and James Chambers. <laughs> there, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. I need like all of the Irish guys, Richie Ryan. I need like all of them to talk to each other at, at the same time. Yeah. And, and just like give out about stuff that we're not going to know. Like, like I, you know, their, their County, uh, they, they should just talk about Gaelic football for like 20 minutes. <laughs> And just post it to the world, and none of us will get it, but it'll be entertaining, I guess. That's where we need to get them to say, you know, the intro, classic intro thing. This is Jim McGinnis, and you're listening to the USL show. Oh, my God. Give I me would, that. I would live for that. Give me that. If it was just Irish people. Can you imagine, like, if it was the first time someone was listening to this show, how bad the come down would be? They'd be like, oh, my God, Irish guy, Irish guy, Irish guy. And then it would just be my stupid American voice. Be like, hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. And they'd be like, oh, that's so close to being good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I got to turn this off now. And then, you know, our listeners. Exactly. players in USL last year. How many? All right. Six from Ireland. It's only six? I only for- six specifically from Ireland. I'm not including Northern Ireland. Hmm. Uh-huh. I thought there'd be more because I think I the, the really. six that are in the league are w- decently well known. So I thought there'd be a lot more that weren't well known. So I bet I could name four of them. Oh, oh guys, guys gotta, uh, gotta behave. <laughs> Dad's here. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, the vice president of USL championship communications and public relations, Ryan Madden, everybody. Ryan, how's it going? How are you? Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm living I'm a little, little sweaty palms now, but I'll, I'll get over it. <laughs> thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. Fellas. No problem. It. Thank you for not shutting us down for however many months you've been on the job now. I no, yeah, right. <laughs> you still talk to us. This is great. Yeah. It's really it's bizarre. It's really bizarre. <laughs> Um, yeah, man. So, um, for, for people that don't know, uh, Grant Wall, uh, what is that? Three days ago, did an article with, uh, with Jake Edwards talking about the USL, um, about like six or seven years from now, um, which is crazy to me, but I mean, um, 
some of the highlights, and then I guess you can just kind of, you know, three days ago, pick, pick and choose your spots, and then we'll, we'll go from there. But it talks about, you know, 40 teams being the limit for you guys, uh, and you want to get there by 2026. Right now you have 36 in, in the championship and 10 uh, in League One. Right. Um, obviously one of those is, is going to be a little trickier to fill than the other. Um, but as, as far as the championship is concerned, like what's, I, you know, what are some of the, the goals that we're trying to hit is, is it just about getting the 40 or is there certain things that you're, you're looking for in that remaining four? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a big question. Um, and I mean, before I jump straight into it, first off, thanks for, uh, Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I, uh, I've been listening ever since I took the job. So um, I follow along. Yeah, well, it's all right. It's all right. Um, but look, there's uh, – yeah, so the, the gist of the, the sort of growth strategy, if you will. So there's 36 clubs right now. Um, the championship wants to get to 40. There's probably somewhere in the realm of 10 to 12 teams that are going to come – out of the championship at some point before 2026 and right. move on into league one. And, and sort of the, the natural question there is, you know, what 10 to 12 teams will, that decision isn't as reliant at the league level as you probably think, um, you know, a lot of the clubs are going to make that decision for themselves. I think you've already seen it. Um, you look at teams like, Texas, North Texas, and you look at teams like Orlando and Richmond, and it's going to be a mix of MLS two teams and independent clubs who I think ultimately decide that both from a competitive standpoint, for sure, but to also from a business model standpoint, that League One makes a lot of sense for them, um, especially as we start to bring on new expansion markets. And I think that, you know, the ultimate goal is bringing in expansion teams from you know, big markets, you know, top 50 media markets around the country and, and, and sort of helping, you know, not all of them will be, but certainly a, a, the vast majority should be. Um, and so you so you, you have these 10 to 12 teams that drop out into League One. That leaves you with roughly 15 uh, new expansion markets. And that's crazy because that's 15 new stadium projects. That's 15 new cities where young kids playing street soccer all of a sudden have this direct pathway to, to play professional soccer in their community. Um, so that's really exciting. And then if you think about, you know, we're currently at 10 teams in league one, 10 to 12 teams drop down. That leaves you with, you know, if, if you, we've said that we'd like to get to 40 in league one as well as sort of the cap. So that leaves you another 20 expansion markets. And that's, that's crazy. I think, you know, um, I think soccer fans, in future generations are going to look back at this time of immense growth, especially within the USL. And I think it's going to be a really fascinating period. Um, there's never for sure been a more exciting time to work at the league office. I mean, cumulatively, cumulatively, we're talking about 35 communities around the country that don't currently have professional soccer or don't have USL professional soccer and are going to have it. That's um, I think that's a pretty remarkable number. And that was the gist of, of the, of the grant wall piece. It, it kind of came about, I was talking to um, grants editor, Avi creditor at, at sports illustrated. And we were just kind of talking this stuff through and he was, like, look, that's a that's a really good story. You know, you, yeah. people need to know about what you guys are trying to do and what your long term vision is. And then he hooked us up with Grant. Grant penned the piece, and I think it um I think it moved the needle a little bit. I think it opened a lot of people's mm. eyes to how ambitious the league is, especially in the lead up to the the twenty twenty six World Cup. Yeah. 
That is an interesting way to put it, too. And not something people have said, that it leaves 15 expansion spots, you know, to make for better teams, hopefully, and better stadiums and better uh, better markets even. Because a lot of those teams that are automatically in the championship right now never necessarily planned to be on that level, and, and we never planned to have this type of league at that point. So they've been around for yeah. a while. Yeah, I think, I mean, especially this next sort of gen of um, of stadium projects you see coming down the pipe, you know, whether it's East Bay or some of the other ones that, that we've sort of talked about, the Chicago one, which has since fallen through, but still looking at new um, potential venues for, for that kind of project. You know, you're not talking about 5,000 seat venues anymore, right? Which was certainly um, where we were, have been in the past. All of a sudden, now you're talking about 10, 12, 15,000 mm-hmm. seat um, stadiums across the United States for USL championship soccer. That's, um, that's pretty exciting. Yeah. And you mentioned it too, the West coast and the two West coast or two East coast expansions. Are those already announced in some form or fashion? Can, are you, you're not able to label what they are, but we've heard about East Bay. We've heard of other ones. Is that what he's talking about when he says one West coast, two East coast or not so much? I can't really provide a ton of, uh, (laughs) it's a fair fair question. It's a fair question. You got to ask it. Um, I can't, I can't really provide a ton of additional insight into that. East Bay has already been announced. Um, so he's talking about expansion markets that will be announced before the spring or before summer. So, um, so you should have to renew them by the time summer rolls around. And that's not that's not including potential League One expansion markets as well. Um, and, And you could see a couple of announcements come down the pipe in that world uh, throughout the spring as well. So would that leave just one expansion market to get to that 40, including these new three USLC sides? Uh, no, because we're, you know, it's part of that larger growth strategy. We're talking about teams dropping down over time, right? So if you have 36 right now and you have 10 to 12 who over the course of the next seven years move down into League One, that leaves you with somewhere in the vicinity of 15 um, expansion markets, which, which I think is, um, it's a big number, but, um, you know, we've been in touch with more than I think 30 communities already who have reached out expressing interest in having USL championship clubs in their city. So, Mm. you know, 15 seems like a, a lot of supply, um, but the, the demand is even higher. And I think that's what's, you know, I, in, I, in 1994, my, um, my dad, I got into soccer because my dad got us these tickets to uh, the a 1994 World Cup match. It was USA versus Columbia at the Rose Bowl. I'm from Southern California. Um, and, you know, the starting of MLS was a precondition to the United States hosting that 1994 World Cup. And what's crazy is, you know, you look back at that time and you think, what if you had like told a young me or, or just a casual fan who was at the game that day that by the next, next time the World Cup comes to the United States in 2026, not only are you going to have this league that hasn't started yet, it's going to be Major League Soccer, but then you're going to have two more professional tiers below it. You're going to have over 100 professional soccer clubs around the country. You're going to have soccer-specific stadiums everywhere, up from anywhere, ranging from anywhere from 2,500 to, you know, 30,000, 40,000 at the MLS level. I mean, it's 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 crazy. The, the growth of soccer in the U.S., and I know it's like we hear it all the time, right? It's growing, sure, it's growing, sure. growing growth, growth, growth. But it, it is actually, like, if you take a second and sit back and kind of look at what's being achieved, I think it's it's it's, in, it's incredible. It's It's really remarkable. 
So when when you guys point to wanting to have 40 teams in in the championship in League One by by 2026, I'm going to use a, a potentially dirty phrase here. Does that mean that in 2026 we're ready for for Pro Rel? <laughs> I think it's possible. Um, you know, I, I think it's possible. I, I I don't I don't think anyone knows or can say um, with with 100 clarity what yeah. yes or no. Um, but, you know, I think if you talk to Jake and if you talk to Alec and if you talk to our executive team, I think it's um, it's definitely something that they're, you know, happy to consider. And I think we'll consider mm. the key to it. And, I, and you know, I, I don't want to sound redundant. I know you've heard it um, numerous times, but the key is taking the necessary steps to even get to the point where you can have that conversation, you know, and, and we're not there yet. There's still so much work to be done. You know, we're talking about all that expansion. You're talking about 35 new communities. There has to be a degree of competitive parity between the two leagues. So if, it, if a team does get relegated and drop down, that there it isn't um, obscenely debilitating for that, that, that franchise. So um, an interleague cup maybe is one step to sort of start gauging the competitive parity between the two leagues. But, you know, honestly, there's, um, I get that pro rel and even with the, the, the grand wall story, that is sort of the, the sexy headline and that, you know, people, it drives a ton of conversation, but yep. I think the real story there is the, the growth in the 35 new communities yep. and the strategy that it's going to take to get to the point where you can start actually having an intelligent conversation internally about pro. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean that that it's all intertwined though too. You know, you got to hand it to USL the USL for being uh, so business minded, so savvy about everything they do, everything you guys do. Um, I think it's one of the greatest qualities of the league. But but there's also this other story that I'm crafting, I'm helping craft, and I don't know if it's true. But yeah. um, but that pro rel is a goal for a certain reason. It's it's romantic. It's perhaps the best system for our country. You know what I mean? Like this has to be something you guys like deep down in your bones, no matter what you say is something you want to happen in the long run. Is it something like that as a goal, eventual goal, even if you don't want to necessarily come out and say, this is going to happen. I, you know, I'd probably have to let Jake speak to that. Sure. You know, someone who's been guiding sort of the strategy and vision for the organization or Alec, over the last couple of years, it's hard for me to, um, to be just to be totally candid with you. It's hard for me. You know, I've been on a job for about three and a half months now, <laughs> so I don't know necessarily what the North Star or North Star guiding light is on, um, on every issue. But, but look, I know that, you know, Jake, when, when Jake talks about pro rel in, in these types of settings, he talks about having played in the system and he talks about having been a part of, um, pyramids that that had it and, and i think there to some degree yeah maybe there is a um a, a, a school of thought that it, it it is the best way of going about creating a, a professional soccer tiered system in the united states but again it's 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 not so much you know i know it, it, it eats up a lot of the bandwidth of the conversation in the general populace but yeah. i'm being totally honest when i say that internally we it's not something we're talking about a lot we're more talking about how do we continue to grow the championship how do we get better stadiums how do we get better players how do we you know raise the standards of the league and then in turn how do we do so again in league one and then once we get to two hyper competitive divisions that both have 40 teams that are firing on all cylinders and we're playing in great stadiums and there's competitive parity and there's a great interleague cup and you know it's tribal and they're we're filling out stadiums then then i think you sit down and, and you have a conversation about it but you know i can't um reiterate enough just 
the sheer volume of work that has to be done at the league office before mm-hmm. we can even really have a, a, I think a quality conversation about it. That's good stuff. Well, whether it leads to pro rel or not, and whether it's only a testing ground or not, the interleague cup is something I'm super excited about. And, and yeah. there was mention of like a, a league cup between our own league and then also an interleague. Can you tell us how that might be looking like in the next year or two? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's already been presented on some level to the USL Board of Governors, um, and, and I think that it's been received favorably. Um, the general gist of it is an interleague cut between championship clubs and League One teams, and I think it'll take some sort of knockout tournament sort of formatting. Um, I think it would be interesting if championship-level clubs could play cross-conference. I don't know that that'll happen um but i you know I, I know that's been part of the conversation still working out some of the details um you know host bid process number of teams but ultimately it's a way of um of, of gauging that sort of competitive parity and i think you know we'd like to uh, assuming that everything gets approved and it, it gets headed in the right direction i think we'd like to have it in place by by 2020 i think it'd be really cool too you know you can imagine if you're uh, a fan of uh, one of the independent League One teams. If you're a fan of Tormenta in South Georgia or Greenville, and all of a sudden you get a chance to um, to come up against Phoenix Rising or Louisville, I, I mean that's a that's a sure. cool opportunity for the community. So we're uh, we're really excited about it, putting it into place. Yeah, is it? Yeah. Are, it, the only the only thing I thought of immediately is if you had more yeah. than one League Cup of any kind, or interleague cup and a League Cup and the USL, you know, Championship Cup and League One Cup separately. Is that too many games? How is that? How are you thinking about that? Yeah, I think it's it's a conversation we have to have. It's a fine balance, right? You want to have as much soccer as possible, but you don't. Um, there is a, a threshold that that you can't really go over that out of fairness to the players. So um, again, conversations that happen internally. I don't have anything necessarily new to share, but uh, that exact point is something that we're talking about regularly for sure. To be uh, mindful of your time, and also because I think some of these are questions that we have. Um, we got a couple listener questions, so let me kind yeah. of bang through the. Um, important ones and then there's some little less important ones that i'll that i'll end with just to leave you on a good note um first one is why is there such a big range in communication between uh usl teams so some teams are very active and open and others are silent not as transparent would love to see consistency within usl on player movement announcements and contracts during season and after season as well i know that's kind of club to club and as yeah. Now league representative, but as a guy that you know worked for an MLS team where those are also very varied. Um, do you have any insight on on that one? And I mean, I think the other thing that's a little tricky is that a lot of clubs are you know one people shows still. Hmm. Yeah, that's that that point's really important. Um, it's a really sharp question. I, I'd be interested though before I answer it. I mean, is is that something that you guys have experienced too? I mean, do you think that's a fairly accurate assessment when looking around the league? Yeah, without naming names, there's been a couple of clubs that I haven't been able to um, get a hold of in any capacity. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, look, there's a couple of things to consider. You know, one, there's going to be varying degrees of openness and transparency between clubs in any professional sports league. I think you could say the same of the NFL or the NBA or um, yeah. the Premier League, uh, but there are some teams, I'll say this, there are some teams in, in, in USL, especially at the championship level, who are doing it incredibly well, who yeah. I think are open and are transparent, and, and they do everything they can to provide sort of a, a 
shine a light on what's going on behind the scenes at the club, so long as it doesn't give away a competitive advantage or doesn't disparage reputations, right? Which are the kind of the, I think the, the two things that you have to keep in mind if you're the head of a you know communications department for a professional soccer club. Louisville comes to mind. I think Scott Stewart does a, a an, an incredible job there. I think Trey in Indy does a fantastic job. I think um, Sam Dorr, who does a lot more than communications at Phoenix Rising, I think he does a fantastic job. Preston Petrie in San Antonio. I mean, these are guys who are working, who are working in at the USL level because they love soccer. Um, but really, from a talent standpoint, I think they could be heads of PR departments for any major American sports league for any team. And I think they'd be doing it at a really, really high level, but I think you're right. And I think it's a fair question. um, Whoever submitted it on Twitter that there is a gap. And it's one of the, one of the things that I noticed when I first came on board was that um, there probably wasn't enough dialogue between club communications department and the league communications department. Mm -hmm. So we've, um, we've sort of restructured and done a couple of things to bring in, uh, two new positions to the communication staff at the league level that really just serve as club consultants in a way. They, they're going to operate as the liaisons between the office and the clubs themselves. And ultimately, what I hope will happen is that it'll end up elevating everyone's standards um, because, you know, these, these, some of these teams, like you said, you know, they have one person doing communications and marketing and digital. And that's a huge, that's a huge job. And so I think having someone at the league office that they can call now and say, Hey, you know, we got this cool kid unveil coming. Can you help us um, with a promotional plan around it? Or we got this great Mm. story. Can you help us drive up some national news coverage? I think, I think putting some additional support staff at the league office for these teams will ultimately help take everyone kind of to the next level and and bridge, bridge that gap a little bit so that everyone's performing at, at the level of those people that I mentioned earlier. Real quick, I know there's a specific St. Louis uh, example where guys in St. Louis get really driven crazy about like injured guys. And so they'll either disappear from training and someone will mention it and then someone gets upset and the club doesn't announce anything. We're just up in the air. Did he get traded? Is he gone? What happened? And he says, you know, Jeremy Allenbaugh, he's right. He says, if everyone announced their injuries on a certain day, I would too. But I can't do it unless someone else does. It's an unfair advantage. And and he's right. And so that's something that like the league could actually say, you have to announce your injuries on a certain day and change that sort of thing. Is there anything like that you guys have talked about or you know about could be something you could change? And it goes beyond just the injuries thing. I'll tell you the injuries thing is, is really hard and and it's really hard for club communications heads because they have to balance they're sort of the advocate for the fans in the room in those settings right. because you can imagine that there are executives sometimes and coaches and, and, and medical personnel who um, sort of operate under a less is more sort of mentality right and maybe they're not as is, is they're not as motivated to be forthcoming with the information. So the club communications head in any of these teams has to go in and say, no guys, it's the right thing to do. We need to keep people informed. And that's a, that's a hard conversation for people to have. And sometimes it helps if there are these league standards that they can point to and say, well, look, it's not just us who are telling you you need to do this as a league. This is what's required. So we're having um, constant conversation about this since I, you know, came on board about not just that, but also, you know, access protocols, uh, making sure that media are being allowed in the locker room after games, you know, that kind of thing, formalizing some protocols and processes that I think are probably more in play for 2020 than 2019, but Mm. we'll, um, we'll definitely get there for sure. It's a good question. 
Kind of to, to piggyback off of that one, uh, yeah. someone else asked, does the league itself offer any trainings or support for um, club communications people? I don't think it was something that we probably did a good enough job on in the past to be fair completely candid with you. But um, that's been the goal in, uh, in trying to bring on these two new staff members. Um, so we're going to bring on people who can essentially be consultants to these guys and, and gals and, and help them. Um, not just with communications and PR and media relations, but also some of the digital elements and making sure that they have what they need from graphics support and yeah. social media support and all that stuff. So I think you, um, I, there's a, there's so many talented people that are doing this job across yes. the league. It's just, you know, sometimes um, they have a lot on their plate and we're going to do whatever we can to uh, try to help get a little bit off of it and, uh, and support them in any way we can. It's a big project for us, but um, no, it's really for sure. Yeah. Uh, the last one, and this is a yeah. little bit hard hitting. I will also preface it and say that I don't, I would, I would not have phrased it like this, but okay. nevertheless, I didn't write it. Um, right. <laughs> why does USL seem to forget their history uh, from '93 to 2010? <laughs> uh, I'm a stats guy, and I would love to see the stats from before 2011. Yeah. Uh, I will add on. I would love to see the stats from 2011 on. <laughs> it's fair. Uh, it's fair. So um, one of the things that we're actually in the process of working on right now um, is a USL history book. Okay. And uh, we've Nicholas Murray, who's who's been in the USL communications department for a long, long time, yeah. um, who is sort of like the walking USL history yeah. book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the gatekeeper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He knows more about the league than anyone in the office. But we've uh, we've carved out some time for him and brought on. Uh, an intern from uh, the University of Tampa here who works in sports management. And they're they've been tasked over the next three months to sort of develop this uh, statistical history of the league. There's some interesting nuances, right? We have to figure out the wording, you know, are we going to, you know, the modern era or the pre-modern era, what are we going to call these things and how are we going to classify <laughs> it? And there's so many teams and all of these things, right? And we're, we're kind of having those conversations as we go. But I think by the end of this next season, we'll have a, a detailed catalog of uh, of USL statistical history that you can look back on. Lovely. That's exciting, especially any stats here. I'm just so thrilled to hear that news. Uh, Mr. Madden, you're currently making two of my my co-hosts do all of the legwork for this. um, (laughs) It is free right now. As much as I appreciate them doing that, they shouldn't have to, my friend. (laughs) Anyway, uh, less serious questions. Yeah. Uh, I really like this one, actually. Yeah, uh, working in the league's main office, are you and your coworkers discouraged from supporting specific USL teams? I <laughs> imagine the answer for that is yes. Uh, if not, which clubs have the most support down in the Tampa office? <laughs> Man, that's <laughs> that's a tough one. Um, is, I have. Never I mean, is there heard... anyone that you guys are just like, come on? <laughs> I've never heard. I've never heard anyone say that we uh, that we cannot be fans of the teams. Um, I think everyone in the office is probably, if they're being honest with themselves, has certain teams that they're fans of, places that they're from. You know, I'm I'm originally from Southern California. So, you know, Orange County has a special place for me, you know, just because I know the stadium. I grew up, I went to high school a couple blocks away. Um, mm-hmm. And I think every I think every person in the league office will, will have similar stories like that. But the the thing is too, and I, I know this is going to sound like cliche or what you would expect to hear from the PR guy, right? Oh, but go for it, man. when it's you're, so you're, you're in the office every single day, 
and you're working for USL every day and you're talking about growing and you're, you're interacting with all of these teams and you're and you know these people personally, whether it's, you know, RGV to, to Dallas to Statesboro, right. Georgia, you, you honestly, you just end up rooting for everyone. Um, and so when you watch games, you find yourself being pretty neutral because you, you know, you, you don't have a dog in the fight and you kind of want to see everyone do well. And, everyone elevates each other and you know it's it's i know it's it's cliche and what you would expect to hear but it's true and it's just sort of the natural dynamic of working in a league office i think yeah. well nice. ryan you you fell into my trap all right you said you said 10 to 15 minutes and i got 20 out of you <laughs> Perfect. so i will uh i will thank you very much for your time sir i yeah. i appreciate everything you do both on and off air yeah. um for sure, we look forward to working with you in the future, and uh, have a have a hopefully as stress free as possible rest of your preseason, my friend. Yeah, of course. Hey, Evan, you you forgot one question though, and so yeah. I'm going to ask you it. Is that all right? Yeah, go for it, brother. So you get you get three you get three athletes. Yeah, man. From any sport other than soccer, yeah. you can bring into your starting eleven, and uh-huh. throughout the course of American sports history. Who are the oh three? God, the, the oh three my God! And what positions are they playing on the field? Oh my God! Um, all right. Um, uh, okay. 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 Um, well, I, I think for the love of God, someone needs to sign Shadow Chosenko so he just stops talking. About <laughs> no, don't do it. I have the perfect answer for one. Ready so for this? Yeah, yeah, gotta have it. Um, I want Bo Jackson up top, Very just good. running, Ooh. running his ass off. And bumping people around, and and for my third, and this one, this is a throwback. This is yeah. before we had this podcast. Former Charlotte Independence player Randy Moss, please. <laughs> is what is like a is a nine as a, a nine, yeah. Right yeah, yeah. up, winning every ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I'm cheating because he already played for the Independence, but you know, <laughs> or he was in training or whatever that was. Oh but, man. Um, yeah. Did you guys ever watch the? Uh, did you ever watch the the? Do you remember the And One mixtape tour from back? Uh, yes. <laughs> Come on. Right. Oh, you mean my childhood? Yeah. <laughs> not, not the professor. Remember oh him? God. Oh my god. That's so oh. funny. <laughs> he was a little. He was a oh guy. no. All I'm saying is, you get the professor at the ten. And it's all step overs. Okay. Goes, I wait, wait. I, I don't I don't need any of the players from the M1 mixtape tour. Can I have the guy that was on the court yelling at people the whole time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can have that dude. Can you we can we hire can you guys go oh, and get no. him and just like yeah. for the USL game of the week? Can he just yeah. do yeah. like him and Mike in the booth? It'll be great. Be perfect. Ryan, you just made great. Evan's day. Like Ryan, he's gonna you're love now, his. You're now my best friend. <laughs> um, so I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, guys. No, appreciate you. Uh, Thank you, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. Good stuff, man. All right. Have a good one. See you guys. Cheers. Yep. So good. He nailed it. We're getting good comments all around, and uh, yeah, oh, I think man. he nailed it. What a guy, everybody. Ryan Madden. What a guy. That's that's who we deal with on a on a semi frequent basis. So he's good um, to us. We're really lucky. And he's good at his job. We're we're incredibly lucky. Everyone at the league, we're just gonna suck up to him now, right? For there you go. Minutes. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't we? We've uh, got no wasn't... reason not to. <laughs> Guys, did you know uh, there's a lot of growth now? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That's just listen. That's, if anyone's surprised by by how 
proud or impressed that those guys are, are you know are at that a about being humble about it and and not shooting too high i don't think and you know on the other foot uh you would be really impressed and, and proud of that too uh if you know you saw where usl was in 2011 or, or even you know three years ago so Word. Yeah, I mean, look at 2011. I wouldn't have believed you if you had said Diddy or Drogba would be playing in the USL final. No way. Right. No freaking way. Or like, hey, you know, Harrisburg just played on Thursday and also Friday. <laughs> like, 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 that's where we were at a point where it was right. like, this team is playing an away game in like, in, you know, Charlotte on Thursday or Charleston or something on Thursday and a home game on Friday at home. Exactly. Like, yeah, we've come a long way. Yeah, and and they keep making the right moves to fix that, right? Because yeah. they just yep. made the season longer, but less games each week. You know, it's yeah. a smart move, yeah. and it's like cl- it, it, not all leagues make the right moves like that. You know, so no, there's uh, there's one that we're not going to talk about. Sure, really thank you. Good job. Thank that. you. El Tree is pretty, uh, pretty good. Pretty good. El Tree, El Tree, baby. Um, guys, do we want to talk about the draft briefly? Yeah, let's do it. I like talking about the super cool. draft. It's it's one of my favorite things I, to like I throw a little it. shade at. I went to the one in 2018 that was in Philadelphia. That was a good time. Man, I could have gone to this one in Chicago right up the road. Should have. And I, I missed out because I, I didn't pay if enough attention. nothing else, to see all the coaches get their photo taken together. That's a fun one. I just want to <laughs> talk to Kalen Carr. It's like the only reason I want to okay. go. <laughs> I want a man crush on him just a little bit. Yeah, that's fine. Is he, not the, is he not the coolest kid in, in soccer broadcasting? Um, yeah, I mean, well, a little biased, but Moadu is pretty. Okay. He's pretty chill. I was impressed. I like the way he did his yeah. thing recently. Yeah, he's, he's a good dude. He's a good dude. Anyway, uh, do we just want to talk about how many picks didn't get taken? Yes. Okay, great. So, uh, 21 out of the 48 picks in rounds three of four were passed. Uh, including everyone from 79 to 83. Um, four of the top five picks of the 2018 draft, uh, Motinho, Thomas Hilliard, Arce, Tristan Blackman, Francis uh, Atuahene, right? And John Beccaro. Um, everyone besides Motinho uh, was at a USL club last season. Um, and Blackman, in fact, went to Phoenix from uh, LAFC. So, um, it's kind of turning into the USL super draft, which I don't think is a problem, but where the problem lies is that no one wants to pick in rounds three and four, which I, I get like, I think, you know, if, if you could have teams punt on like the sixth and seventh round in the NFL draft, I think they would maybe, um, or if you could have teams in the, you know, sixth round of the NHL draft, they might punt, you know, like I, I, I don't know if it's just because they're given the option or, or what. Um, but the problem is like there's teams, you know, with MLS two sides that like the union traded all theirs away to Cincinnati for $150,000. And, you know, there was teams that have sh- historically found some nice pieces um, in the draft that just didn't pick this year. No, at least with that, it just, like I want, like how does it feel with players that it's like they have the option of like teams have the option of either choosing a player or just not choosing anyone at all, and they choose to side with not anyone at all when like nearly half the picks in the final two rounds are passed on that teams just choose not to do anything with it 
it seems counterintuitive to holding these or just holding these rounds. And I get this to paraphrase a Rick and Morty quote here. This just sounds like signing USL players with extra steps. That's kind of true. Yeah. Um, That's kind of true. The only thing that I'm thinking about is just waiting because all these guys are now essentially free agents. Do you get to sign them for cheaper in like a month? Do you get to bring them in on trial, try them out in your system, and then sign them after that? Like, is there is there some like four D chess that teams are playing right now that I'm I'm just becoming aware of? I guarantee you that's the case. Now that you're bringing it up, I guarantee you that's the case because I think there's probably less red tape. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, a certain yeah. price tag is attached to your round drafting. You know, your draft. Yeah, number. and I know if you're if you're Generation Adidas, it's it's a set number yeah as well. so it may not be true for all of them but if, yeah. if they're just passing because here's the deal i think um cincinnati or someone picked someone where he's going back <laughs> to good. college good start. Good start. They, yeah, they're man. going back to college it doesn't matter who honestly they're going back to college and they're going to go to school for a year and then they're going to re-sign with mls after that and yep. that team now owns his rights no matter what happens with him, right? So if he signs an MLS, he has to sign with that club or they have to pass on him and then someone else can sign yeah, him have, or perhaps they have, they have, have to uh, buy him out. Made a first refusal, as it's called, which Thank is you. my favorite. Yeah. Much better way to put that. So if if yep. it, it to me, why not pick a guy that you think could develop into something better in the future? Say he goes to OCSC and does really well and then you want him in yep. your MLS squad. You get the rights to him. So why not go ahead and pick him? Well, maybe because there's a certain price tag to him. You know, maybe there's certain something you have to do in between. There's got to be some kind of red tape that teams are avoiding here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or because you think you have a 17-year-old in your academy that has the same skill set that he does that you can sign on a home run. Well, and and that's what a lot of people have said, too, is that before someone's in the draft – they're allowed to be signed to a homegrown contract outside of the draft. And then they're out of the draft and they just go straight to that team. Right. The yep. top five, 10 players are more like top 20, 30, 40 players because all the good players, the best players have been signed to homegrown contracts for the most part. Yes. I mean, in my personal opinion, I think this is like, it was great to have for like the past two decades of MLS, but we're starting to reach a period that the only draft that we should be having is an expansion draft that I think it would encourage academies a lot more or instead of just having the super draft. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is that, you know, I I'll go on on record and say something like the USL should take over in the second or third round. Right. Cause it just makes sense. Even the yeah. first round would be fine. Yeah. Not necessarily perfect. It'd be fine. Um, but I, I just think, wouldn't it be better if we just did away with the draft? Because that's the way the rest of the world works. I guarantee you the problem with all this is MLS might say, USL, would you like to join this draft? Edwards might just be like, no, like we'll sign free agents. That's the way the rest of the world works. Why would we do this? There's no point because the US, that's the way the USL works. And it's not at all the way MLS works. And so that's, that's what I love about my league, man. You know, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's more pure. We do it right. Um, and I understand why MLS did what they did. I'll say that all day, every day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and why we're here right now. It makes sense, but it's not the best form right this sure. second um, yeah. worldwide. I think if that's going to be our kind of target, it, that the draft will not exist by then. 
or should not exist by the time we get to the World Cup. Yeah. And then we get to we get into you know topics about what happens to college and should the college yes. game change and um, I'm trying to get Travis Clark to talk to me about that next Wednesday. That might happen. Right now we're talking about it, so uh, look for that. No one knows better than him, right? Uh, no. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, guys, I, I guess we'll leave with this. Is there one thing right now on January the seventeenth of twenty nineteen? Um, be it a player or otherwise that you're looking forward to uh, seeing in USL this year can be league one. Doesn't have to be. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because I'm so excited about North Texas SC as a men's national team, USL kid, play the kids lover, you know, Uh, North Texas has got their top three could be Jesus Ferreira. um, Oh no. um, Paxton Pomacall. If you don't, Ricardo Pepe. Thank you. Got them all. I'm so bad with names. I'm so impressed with myself right now. That could be their top attacking three if they were to play a 4-3-3. That is so good if you follow the men's national team, the U-20s and the U-17s. Um, excited about what that means for those kids to play grown men every day and develop above the uh, the USSDA. Hey, um, I'm going to piggyback off your North Texas SC hype. Also, hey, North Texas SC, you're getting the... the- well Good bit done. Of promotion tonight. So, you know, uh, let us know when you guys are free. Just, you know, give us a shout. I talked to the uh, GM. I'm, also, <laughs> I'm uh, yeah, slide into those DMs, baby. Um, I'm going to also mention uh, an attacking player, in fact, at North Texas SC. Uh, and it's a guy that I've been aware of for about two years, ever since he was linked with an MLS move to the Philadelphia Union, never came to be. Uh, he has two senior caps for Haiti. Uh, one of them occurring when he would have been like 16, but it's Ronaldo uh, Damus or Damus, who is supposed to be unreal. And uh, North Texas has him, and I I am hmm. terribly excited to see if all the hype is is gonna be worth it. Check that out. That's new to me, so I'll be watching for that. Yeah, he. Uh, there was a lot of talk about him like a year and a half ago ish. Uh, was back and forth with the uh, with the Dallas Juniors. Like was there from April to July of 2018, and uh, now he's with North Texas. So we'll see. What about you, Ryan? Always, you got one. I'm gonna go with the if we're gonna stick with the league one sides. I have uh, two. I'm gonna be really interested in uh, Greenville Triumph. I think with Harks as their manager, it's going to be really good. But then you have Jake Keegan, Evan Lee, and Tyler Polak of St. Louis and Cincinnati. Acclaim, you know, I feel like they're going to be a really solid side down there. And even then, uh, Harks' son, Ian Harks, just signed with a Dundee United over in the Scottish Championship. And I guess if I had to name a second one, it would just be Ford Madison, just for like the entertainment of like how well they do their social media sure you guys saw the post earlier today of their um, secret formation and it had like a, like 11 forwards and then their goalkeeper uh brian sylvester or sylvester yep. yep 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 former carolina railhawk former philadelphia mm. union former la galaxy and they also perform a hammerhead on that team of jeff michaud who was um loaned was from tampa bay in the 2016 season i believe very cool good answer all right, word. I think we're out. Um, Evan, Evan got caught up in the chat right there for a second. I, did, I, did. That's, that's, I zoned out for a hot second. I'm sorry. I was typing. The chat's um, awesome. The downfall. 
Um, uh, oh, uh, real quick, because I didn't super thank you to our sponsors, the Beautiful Game Network podcast, which you can find all of those podcasts, bgn.fm, including, um, you know, Brandon Miller's podcast exists there. Hugh Roberts' podcast exists there. Uh, there's Speedway Soccer Pod, which is for Nashville. There's the Unused Substitutes, which is for Tampa Bay. Um, there's a, a ton more. I'm not even going to try it. So there you go. Um, and, uh, oh, yeah, our friends at Roughneck Scarves, check those guys out. You're, you're home for everything related to U.S. men's national team, MLS, USL, scarves, as well as scarves for, uh, you know, your personal or custom use. Check those guys out, roughneckscarves.com. Uh, and uh, and a big up special thanks or hi to uh, my good friend DK and the guys over at Soccer Loco. Um, if you go to our website, uslshow.com, there's a uh, orange and blue box. It is gray and gray if you're colorblind. Um, click on that. Buy whatever you want. We get a cut of that. Check it out. Thanks so much. Also, our Patreon, patreon.com backslash the USL show. It legitimately use all of that money uh, for audio equipment and stuff. So uh, we're going to hook Ryan up in a bit. So that'll be cool. Um, I'm going to give it a bit. I'm moving shortly. So hopefully I'll be close to a router, which is a big thing. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I shouldn't have to make another investment. Uh um and uh thanks so much for listening oh uh, twitter.com backslash the usl show find me at speak of and speak uh phil's at phil with two l's grooms with two o's and uh, ryan is at my favorite airport uh at ilm underscore ryan um so yeah be sure to check to us uh there uh make sure you uh follow us on itunes google play stitcher all that fun stuff uh, until next time, thanks for listening. Um, thank you again to Ryan Madden for being on from the league and his continued support and generosity. And uh, don't be a dick. Great. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.